Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Ryan Franks, lead pastor at Journey Church. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Today is Palm Sunday. Today is Palm Sunday, and as the week was going on, the Lord just began to kind of shift some things around from the worship to the message and to just connecting with the leaders. And I just said, Lord, I said, I believe that you have something incredible for us today. I want to make sure that it's absolutely exactly what you want. And he began to just lay a certain word on my heart. And I said, you know, I said, that's going to be, that's going to be kind of challenging to teach that on Palm Sunday. And then just as we were continuing to be obedient with the worship, continuing to be obedient with the word, I've, as I'm just standing here in the front row, it's just, it's coming together. And so here's what I want to say about that. I believe that there is a word for you today. I believe there is a word for you today. Whether you are here because you think by accident, because you feel obligated to, 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 to sit in a church on Palm Sunday, maybe you've been coming here for decades, whatever the case may be, I believe there is a word for you today. It's not my word. It's the Lord's word. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to leave an impression on your heart. And so I want you to dive in. I want you to dig in with me a little bit today. I want you to open your Bibles. I want you to get out your smartphones. I want you to take some notes, whether you got a worship guide or something, because I believe that the Lord has something he wants to minister to you for the rest of the week, starting right now. And I believe it's going to hit different with a lot of different people. And so it was... um. <sighs> You know, we're, we're going through the week, and we have this, this, this evil, ooh, that's the only word for it. We have this horrific evil event that happens in Tennessee, right? And you have three kids and three adults who are shot. And I thought to myself, Lord, this isn't the first time. I pray it's the last time. What does the local church do? And the Lord just began to say, you have to pray. And you've got to spread the gospel and you've got to advance the good news because time is not on your side and it's very time sensitive that people know who I am because if they know who I am and they know who I am, then they will stop. And the Holy Spirit will keep evil at bay. If you did not know that today, what does the Bible say? It is the, it is the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit that keeps evil at bay. Not in a locked cage, because every day Satan fights for you and for your family. And the Lord fights for you and your family. But Satan wants it for all the wrong reasons. And the Lord is here to protect and save and, most importantly, give us an opportunity to spend eternity with him. I said, well, Lord, I said, how do you do that? How do you pray for a country other than forgiveness? See, we're on the forgiveness side now, right? And, and, and next week... We're on the forgiveness side. Jesus gets up there and says, forgive them for they know not what they do. They don't understand the full parameter of what I'm doing here. So what does Palm Sunday look like that leads up to that kind of theology? And it's one word, and I think it's the hardest thing to live by outside of the word forgiveness. And I believe the word is humility. And you think about that for a second. We'll dive into this. What is humility? Could humility of saved or stopped that evil in Tennessee? The answer is yes. You want to know why? Because if that gunman had came underneath the authority of Jesus Christ and allowed him to build a relationship with that gunman, that gunman would have been saved. 
Somewhere along the line, the voice of Jesus was in that person's life, and they decided to say no. And when we come underneath the authority of Jesus, we humbly submit to him in all of his ways. And all of the glory goes to him. And we stop acting out, we stop acting within our own flesh needs, and we start acting on and reflecting on behalf of, of what he wants to see happen. And then that evil doesn't happen. But we're unwilling as believers and unbelievers to come underneath the authority of Jesus because we have our own plans. We have our own thoughts. We have our own opinions on how things should be ran and how things should be done. And the problem is, is it really gets interesting with believers because we say, well, I think this is ought to have to happen, but I haven't really consulted the word. So the question is, is are we really being humble to the presence of the Holy Spirit, to our Abba, our Father, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? We're not really showing humility. We're not really living humility. And the question is, is can we really advance the gospel and be that, what the Lord has called us to be in, in not living a life of humility? Is it possible? The answer is no. We're going to look at three things today, and I want you to know this. The second person we're going to look at was a fan of Jesus or was around Jesus, but he was never a follower of Jesus, and he is not in heaven today with Jesus. You say, how can you, how can you say that? Because the Bible says where this person went. And if they had incorporated humility and actually really came underneath the authoritative figure of who Jesus was, he would be spending eternity with Jesus today, but he's not because he would not allow humility because he truly did not know who Jesus was. And that's what we have to ask ourselves. If we're not living a life of humility, do we truly know who Jesus is? Do we know who he is? Do we really know who he is? I think a lot of people will say, I know of Jesus, but I do not actually know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, if you don't confess with your mouth, that he is Lord, that he, that he died and rose again. We, ooh, let's go a little bit deeper in theology. Does it say in the Bible that you have to accept him into your heart to be saved? Does it? No, it says that you must confess and you must believe with everything inside of you that he is the risen Savior. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to say, I accepted Jesus into my heart, but I never knew him. And then he's going to say, depart from me. We're going to say, what are you talking about? I spoke your name. I went to church. I even gave a little bit on the side. I did. He says, but you never knew who I was. You never confessed. You didn't embrace who I was. You never showed forgiveness. You never showed love. You never showed humility. All the things that I am, you never lived that life. And we're going to say, you're kidding me. And he's going to say, I'm not. That's not what I asked of you. I didn't ask you to do a ritual thing. I ask you to love me as your Lord and Savior. And this is kind of what's going on with Palm Sunday a little bit. This is how we keep evil at bay, is we share who Jesus is and what he will do for you because he loves you so much. I want to, we're, we're, we're going we're, we're, we're gonna to be in John. So I, I want to back up just a little bit before Jesus rides into Jerusalem, right? We're going to talk about, Palm Sunday, you know, so when we, you think of Palm Sunday, you think of the giant palm branches, you think of him riding in with his disciples, you know, and, you know, to their credit, I know that they're clueless majority of the time, but they've only been with him for maybe three, three and a half years. They're, they don't know who he is or really what he's doing, but they're learning to know him and to love him because Jesus says in the, you know, in, in, in the boat, you know, Peter, who am I? And Peter answers correctly. And then ultimately there's going to be one of them that is with them who doesn't actually know Jesus. And because he doesn't know Jesus, because he won't come underneath his authoritative, you know, his figure, his, his, his authority, he betrays Jesus because he doesn't know Jesus. 
If he knew Jesus, he wouldn't have betrayed him. I'm not saying that you won't make a mistake. That's not what I'm getting at. We'll always, we'll make mistakes. That's why there's grace. That's why there's forgiveness. But he didn't know who Jesus was. But let me just back up and just kind of set the premise just a little bit here. We're walking into Jerusalem. We're coming out of Bethany. And Jesus is about a week out from ultimately his end before he rises again. And he's with everybody for about a month. And Jesus, is he's, he's, he's in his early 30s. He's got his 12 disciples. And it's important to know this because it explains a little bit about Jerusalem. This is the apex of his popularity. This is the single most popular day of probably his earthly existence where everybody knew because what he's doing is, is he's coming out of a play he's coming out of a place where he's been healing people left and right and the one thing he's asking them he's saying don't go around and tell people what I'm doing because by the time that I get to the place where I really need to do what I've come to do they're gonna miss the point they're just gonna see me as a liberator they're gonna see me they're gonna want to see me riding on a war horse to come and liberate them from the Roman government and they're gonna miss the fact that I'm really here to bring peace and an everlasting life. They're going to miss that. They're going to see, you know, this, I, I, I want this person for my president. I want this person for my president. I want this policy. I want these guidelines. I want these procedures. But we miss really what we're here to do, which is to advance the gospel. And he's saying, don't go around and share because they're going to get the wrong idea. Let, let, let me speak for myself. But of course, you know, when people see something unbelievable and they're super excited about it, what do they do? They tell everybody. So this is why it's the apex of his entire popularity is when he's riding in here, everybody in the entire place who is here to observe and participate in the Passover, okay? We're celebrating the Israelites long time ago, exiting out of Egypt. We're celebrating that God delivered them and they still observe Passover. So this is what's happening. There's a Passover celebration in Jerusalem and that's why everybody is here and people are following him from Galilee. There's this whole entourage that comes with, comes with Jesus. We have this idea that, that he only rode around with like 12 dudes. No, there were the, they were the apostles, the, and then the, the disciples were anybody else that was following them that was like taking notes, you know, and like learning and asking questions. And he had all these other people that are just following him, just wanting to be with whatever's happening. So there's always this huge thing. There was always this follower. So you have this massive popularity. And he's been to Bethany, and the reason he's coming to Jerusalem right now, and the last thing he did is he went to dinner with Lazarus. That's right, the Lazarus you know about, the one that he raised from the dead. He's having dinner with him. Jesus and Lazarus, as you read, were friends. Jesus had friends. He had an inner circle. He had people he bounced ideas off of. He's just like, and he, he, we even see that in heaven. In the beginning of Genesis, God says, you know, he, he goes to his, his council of angels and he says, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I want to do, right? Because he's all about communion. He's all about relationships. He wants, you know, he just doesn't want it to be a dictator kind of uh, dictatorship kind of thing. And so Jesus is coming in and they're just coming out of Bethany. But what happened in Bethany when he's having dinner with Lazarus is he's got Martha and Mary. And Martha and Mary are sitting there and they're preparing, you know, for Jesus and his disciples to come in. And what happens? Uh, Mary, Mary takes this 12 ounce jar of perfume. It's a whole year's worth of wages. It's the most expensive cologne you can ever buy. Most expensive perfume, 12-ounce jar. And what does she do? She begins to just, just drape it all over 
Jesus, we see not only does she do his feet, but in, other, in, in, in another Bible, or not another Bible, oh my word, what are we doing here? And in, 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 in another book, you're like, how many Bibles do you have? And what are their names too, right? And another book, which this story is in all four of the Gospels, it also drizzles over his head. So he's just saturated in this perfume. And so I want to share this with you. I want to share with you what happened in Bethany before we get to Jerusalem so that we can understand the cross. And what's happening in Bethany right here is there's an act of humility. There's an act of humility. This is the most important thing that I have in my life. Let me ask you something. What's the most important thing in your life? If you had, let's just talk shallow for a second. If you had to go to your house right now and pick out something physical, it can't be one of your family members. Some of you would be willing to give one of those away. That's not what we're doing, okay? But if you had to pick something out the most, you know, maybe it's one of those, those cars that you have had in the garage for all those years that you've pampered with a diaper, okay? Uh, savings account, 401k, maybe something that, was, uh, that was in, you were inherited. Could you give that away with no problem? Could you give that away with no problem? If, if, if somebody said, hey, listen, we need this to advance the gospel, would you say, here you are, it's nothing to me. It's just a materialistic thing. I can't take it to heaven. I can't really do anything with it here. It's just here. Maybe I can, but maybe, maybe you can do something more with it. Could you give it away like that? Could you? I don't know. But what's happening here is we're, we're finding that this, this, this young lady who's been with Jesus for a while, who's had seven demons casted out of her, who more than likely was in the upper room after Jesus left to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, one of the 120, we see this woman who's done a complete 180 in her life, feels so compelled and so abandoned everything in her life where she just says, I don't care about anything. I just want to worship Jesus. She got to a place in her life where she had experienced it all. She had done everything she probably wanted to do. She'd probably seen a lot that she wanted to see. And she came to the conclusion that nothing will fill her the way that Jesus will fill her. And she takes the most important thing that she has, and she says, this probably reflects me. This is probably, this is, this is all my wages. This is all my worth. This is the most precious thing that I possess. And all I want to do is give it to Jesus. I just want to anoint him. And what's beautiful is that as she pours it onto his feet, she begins to, 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 to wash his feet with her hair, which is, important to know that as they would show their hair, which was not done in that culture at that time, it was total abandonment of culture and just says, I don't care what people think. I don't care what tradition says. I don't, what, I don't care what religion is going to oppress on me. I just want to give him myself and I just want to wash his feet. I just want to be here. And you know that she didn't wash it like this. You know she got down like this. And she probably got down like this. And she probably got down like this. And she probably had a lot of hair because, you know, if she's not showing it, she ain't cutting it. And she pours everything on him. She says, this is all I have. And then she just washes it, washes it. What I love about her is that she got it. My prayer for myself, my selfish prayer is, Lord, whatever you have for me, allow me to get it so that I can live it 
so that I can speak it and share it and just give it away. There are moments when Tris and I will just look at each other and we just say, at what cost is it to us? It doesn't matter. We love each other. We love our children. We love Jesus. We love the church. Everything else is just, just nothing. Let's just, let's just give it away. Whatever it takes to just be more for the kingdom, let's just do it. I think you have to come to a mentality and a mindset of that before you can truly appreciate what Jesus does for us in a week. It's really great to see the videos of Jesus. It's really great to come and dress in, you know, whatever your best. And listen, dress your best, but don't dress your best because it's a certain day. Every single Sunday is Resurrection Day. You want to come as you are? Hey, this is, this is I'm, I'm going to wear something just like this next week. The wife may put me in a blazer, but it's because of her. Suits, that's, that's fine. That's fine. If you're getting married, if, if, if I marry you or I don't marry you, but I marry you and your spouse, which is something I've had to tell my kids a couple of times. What are you doing today, Dad? I'm, 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 I'm going to go marry them. But you, what about Mom? Relax. It was uh, John and Christine. I had, I, had, I had to do that one like seven times with Jensen. He was just, he didn't understand. He didn't understand. But it's an act of humility. Mark 14, 18 is where we know that the perfume also ran down his clothes over his head. What is the anointing symbolizing? Because what's happened is she's anointing his feet. Isn't that, think about this, isn't that crazy that she who had been possessed by a demon could turn around and anoint the Savior? Do you feel like you're not enough today? Do you feel like you've made too many mistakes? Do you feel like you're not worthy enough? She is anointing Jesus' feet, not just for um, the crucifixion, but for his burial. That's what it says, that she's anointing him for his burial so that he could be raised to life. Who are you? You're a child of God. That's who you are. You are somebody today. You're a big somebody today. Heaven knows your name. Heaven celebrated when you gave your heart to the Lord. Did you know that? They threw a party for you because you're that important. They're looking forward to worshiping with you in heaven forever. She let her hair down to show extravagant abandonment and total devotion. I pray that that, is our, that that is our heart as well when it comes to humility because you can't live a Bible-believing, following Jesus Christ's life and not live a life of humility. It's okay to be wrong. Did you know that? It's okay not to have the answer. These things are okay. It's not because you're less of yourself. It's because you're aware that there's more out there and you may not have everything, but Jesus does. It's okay to walk with humility. It's okay to be kind. It's okay to smile. It's okay to put your arm around somebody. It's okay to hug. It's okay to pray for somebody. This is acting a life of humility, knowing extravagant abandonment and total devotion. Humility is fear of the Lord, reverence, respect for the Lord. We see that in Proverbs 22.4. The Latin root for humility is humus meaning of the earth. Did you know that? We get the, we get the word uh, humility from the term of the earth. Why is that? It's to humble is to be face down in the dirt. That's how we should live our lives according to Jesus. When you come before Jesus, you should lay down because you are so humbled of such an exalted Savior, of the power that he has the power that he's willing to use on your behalf to beat death, to beat Satan, 
face down in the dirt, submitting to the authority of him without personal pride. This is the believer's proper position before the Lord. When you begin to incorporate total abandonment, total devotion, and ultimate humility, you won't have to worry anymore about the things you accidentally say when you shouldn't say them. You won't have to worry about gossip anymore or slander or running your mouth or trying to put it back in your mouth because you're already thinking, how can I serve this person? How can I love this person now? Hey, are some people super hard to love? Yes. Are they going to be the hardest to love when you have the least amount of patience? Yes. And if you will live a life of humility, it will be easier because you get it. And this is what's happening is he's having this moment and Bethany with Lazarus, Mary and Martha and his disciples. And, she's, and then Mary says in John 12, verse 3, Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. Do you know what happens when you live a life of humility? Your house will be filled. Right here, the house was filled with fragrance. When you break, when you give everything over to Jesus and you, it's not that you don't care, you just don't care because you know he's in control. When you give it over to them, your life will begin to just radiate this incredible presence. Anytime that, that God met face-to-face, face-to-face with people in the Bible, their faces would glow and the people would be super wigged out over it. Moses would come down and they're just like, what has happened to you? And he's like, I've, I, I, I've seen God's face. I have met with him face to face. I've been in his glory. I've been in his presence. And my body physically and supernaturally couldn't help itself but to change. And that's what we want for ourselves. If I may say that selfishly enough, we want to, we want to, be, we want to spend so much time in the presence of God that we are physically forced to change. And one of those characteristics will, in fact, be humility. We will learn to love them first before we love ourselves. Face down in the dirt, our house will be filled with fragrance. Your life will be filled with humility. Your kids will reap the benefits. Your spouse will reap the benefits. Your coworkers will reap the benefits. The leadership boss manager in your life is not always going to get it right. This is how you serve within those means as you go in with a humility uh, uh, a humility attitude of saying, I am here because God has placed me here and I will serve you, Jesus first. And I will do, and I will do. A lifestyle of humanity will fill your house, your home, your children, your marriage, your relationships because the opposite of that church, and please hear me on this, the opposite of what we're saying right now, of what, what, what the Bible's teaching is pride. And pride will ruin your life. You may feel powerful at moments. You may feel like you've accomplished a lot. You've accomplished nothing today without Jesus Christ. And those that do not know Jesus, and I hear this all the time, Ryan, I don't understand how these people who don't know Jesus get so far ahead in the world. The Bible says they have their reward. Our reward is not here. It's never been here. Have you seen the news? We're not covering anything international right now. And let me tell you, revelation is here. The end times are happening. I just shared with the, the, the staff this morning in our leadership meeting 
and I don't care where you fall in your politics, but, but we'll just be real for a second, okay? All right now, the media wants to cover is how one former president has been indicted. Okay, you got to follow the rules. But what they won't tell you is how four powerful, powerful nations are building a one-world currency overseas right now. That's in the Bible. The indictment of a former president is not in the Bible. North America ain't really in it either. Okay? You've got China. You've got Russia. You've got India. And there was a fourth one who are building a one-world currency, a, a universal currency right now. The time is not on our side. Jesus is coming back. I know the disciples felt just like this because they were expecting Jesus to come back when he's like, I'm going to come back. And they're like, God, I'm getting super hungry. I know he's, he's, he's going to be back. And then the angels had to come and they're just like, what are you still doing here? And they're just like, uh, he left and he said he's going to come back. Yeah, not today. You got it. Go ahead and move on. What do you want us to do in the meantime? Go on to all the nations. Baptizing. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Discipling. Evangelizing. You got you to get busy. Listen, 2,000 years is not a long time in the blink of eternity. We're here. We're here. Let me, let me dive into this next part. There was a person who was with Jesus, walked with Jesus physically, not spiritually, spoke with Jesus, had a leadership position within Jesus' core, who dropped the ball. Let's talk about Judas for a second. Before we walk into Jerusalem with Jesus on a, on a cult, let's talk about all the things that led up to this so that we can appreciate what's going to be happening here. Here's Judas, but Judas Iscariot, by the way, Iscariot is not his last name. It simply just represents where he came from, just like Jesus of Nazareth, kind of like Nazareth with not Jesus's last name, but it shows where he came from. But Judas Iscariot, the, the, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, hey, that perfume was worth a year's wages. What are you doing? You moron? Didn't you know? We're here to have dinner. You're breaking perfume all over the place. There's probably, there's, there's jars. Did anybody grab a, a sweeper? Did anybody grab a, a shop bag? Did, did anybody grab anything? Do you know all the things we could have done with this money? You, you should have sold this for the church and we should have built this or we should have supplied that or we should have bought 9,000 stupid Easter eggs. There's all kinds of stuff we should have done. And Jesus says, you need to shut your mouth and let me tell you why. Because you don't get it. This man went to church every Sunday with Jesus. Saw miracles that he probably couldn't explain. And yet he still couldn't get it. Because he wasn't about the people or about the love or about forgiveness or humility. He was more of a fan of church than being in the church. We got to be careful about that, guys. Don't be so caught up in being a fan of Jesus that you're not a follower of Jesus because those paths do split in eternity eventually. Thank you for worshiping with us today. If this message inspired you to build the kingdom of God with Journey Church, check out 
different platforms to give at journeychurchag.org or text 270-449-1120. Be blessed and have a great week.